thankful for your hello from Brian and Judy King of Northeast Fellowship we're speaking to you today from our home and the ministry center in the Elmira Corning area we're thankful for your part in our Northeast Fellowship where our ministry is to help churches be as healthy as they can be along the lines of a doctor helping you with your physical condition thinking if you've got your health you can take the rest of it from there we similarly want to help churches spiritually and with methods that keep them on track firmly rooted in the good doctrinal position and then given opportunities and methods that can help them take their ministry to the next level and always be growing and maturing we do this through a number of methods and events if you follow us on Facebook or on Instagram, you'll learn about different things that are coming up that way and also places that we've been and helpful things that we want to share with you. We also have a website, nfibc.org, and on that website we have publications, articles that are helpful to pastors and church health overall, and our latest network news also can be found under the publications tab. And if you'd like to sign up for any of our newsletters that are specific to the events that we have for men, women, teens, couples, travelers, or the general news, you can subscribe to our newsletters at subscribe.ezregister.com, and that'll keep you in the loop with what's going on. These live events include special weekends each year for men, women, teens, and married couples, plus our main conferences and occasional NF trips to great destinations. And we love Western New York. In fact, we're bringing a number of our upcoming events there. Single adults serving Christ together. That group will come at Dunkirk on September 9th. Each spring, we bring our Recharge Student Conference to the area, First Baptist of Marilla for a special teen weekend. And in the summer, kicking it off on Father's Day weekend, we come to Bethany Camp with our marriage retreat, and we sure enjoy it in the camp background and with all the events and activities that accompany that. And coming very soon, something special for you all this year on September 23rd. Very soon, later this month, We'll be meeting at Grace Baptist Batavia for her first ever Ladies Renew in Western New York. Uh, Batavia has been good to partner with us and is hosting us in their lovely building there. We will have a keynote speaker, Diane Scallon, who's the author of a women's Bible study published by Regular Baptist Press called Against the Tide, Godly Living in a Godless World. And she'll be speaking at our two main sessions. We'll also have Lamplighter Publishers speaking at one session and offering books at their bookseller display. And we will have uh, several workshops all on our common theme of read, write, renew your mind from Romans 12 too. So it's a conference, it's especially about reading and for book lovers and those that would like to be reading more or feel that they should be. It's also for writers, those that like to write, hope to write, wish they could write. We'll have things for all of you and just plenty of good biblical encouragement on how to renew your mind through the things that you read. And 
and we're really looking forward to it. It's September 23rd. It's a one day only conference from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. And uh, we are hoping to bring it close enough to everyone in Western New York that they will make the effort to come and be blessed and enjoy the fellowship of other women on September 23rd. But you wanna sign up quickly, September 5th is when the best price of $50 ends. After that, it goes up to 60. And in your ticket price, you'll receive a free lunch, but also a $10 book voucher to spend at our book tables. And there'll be many book tables at this conference. So be sure to register by September 5th for the best price of $50, but you can certainly sign up anytime up to the day of the event as well. This especially fits your missions theme. That's our mission and here's your part. You can learn how to read and write to the glory of God. We had an example years ago in our first church of a lady who took this in a direction that we never thought of. She took copious notes of all the messages in our church. And one day she said to me, I bet you wonder what I do with all these notes. And I did. And she wowed me with this. She said, well, I take notes and I organize them and I keep them in my basement. And after the rapture, when we're out of here, people are gonna break into my house, they're gonna read my notes of what you said and they're gonna get saved. And I thought, that's a vision, thinking beyond. So we wanna teach things like that and you of course can think of some things along those lines as well. All a part of a very special day, September 23rd, our Read, Write, Renew conference. May the Lord bless all of you and the special missions month at Ripley. Thanks. He'll be speaking uh, later in the service. So, you know, I turned off all the lights, so I need lights up here. Forgot to turn them back on. Turn your handbooks to 345, a new heart he gave me. <laughs> Yeah. 
enrich the communion between thy dear Lord and my soul. Tis joyful of sweetness, my heart in completeness, I yield to his holy control. A new heart he gave me, a new heart of love, by grace he renewed me, by grace from above. My soul he transformed by his power divine, a new heart he gave me, the Savior of mine. In glad exaltation, salvation I praise his adorable name I knew a heart he gave me and thus he did save me and I will his goodness proclaim a new heart he gave me a new heart of love by grace he renewed me by grace from above Slowly transformed by his power divine, a new heart he gave me, the Savior of mine. Okay, um, an update of John first as we take uh, some prayer requests and so on. Uh, I don't know how many of you know the whole story, but John took his dog for a walk, as he often does driving the tractor. The dog runs along with him. He went to the gate at the reservoir where he turns around and comes back. Well, when he turned around, got too close to the edge, and the tractor rolled over the edge. He jumped from the tractor, but into some bolters. Bolters, not bolters. Boulders and injured himself and he'd been down there from 11 o'clock until we found him at 8 30 or 9. so it took a dog from the sheriff's department to find him we we're grateful for the sheriff's department and all those who helped get him out um, there were many of us there the lord blessed by helping us find him and he was alive and alert um, but not without pain a lot of pain and when all is said and done by the time they figured out everything that was wrong with him he has several cracked or broken ribs in the front and back he also has a cracked sternum and uh, I think uh, cracked L1 and 2 so right now he's in a lot of pain and they're trying to get that under control you can be praying for him it's a lot of things to be going on to an 88 year old man a lot of things to be going on to anybody but he's 88 years old now and he's still alive and still here for Kathy although right now I think Kathy's here for him so and that's a good thing I think it was a good ministry even to Kathy that the Lord has kept him here God has been gracious uh, she sees that as an act of grace for her because she still needs him so you could all be praying for him and him getting better from this. It's going to be a while before he can get around. Just be praying. What? He doesn't get pneumonia. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
and that he doesn't get pneumonia. They're considering a ventilator. Um, we're kind of all hoping he doesn't do that, but if it is, it's basically being done so they can, until they can find a way to control the pain. Uh, pain's pretty intense. He's probably at the level I was at when I went back in the hospital with my back, only it's a lot more of his body that's hurting right now. So definitely be praying for him. And uh, we'll let you know if there are things you can do. Um, Kathy right now is able to drive back and forth and take care of her dog and has other people who help with that. So as they need more, we'll pass that on to you. Are there any other prayer requests? Okay, let's go to Word of Prayer. Gracious Father, you're an amazing God. We're grateful for the way you love us and care for us. And, and Lord, even though we don't always understand, we know that you're at work, even in things that seem hard, difficult, sorrowful, uh, even painful. We're grateful that John's still here. Um, there may be moments he wonders why he isn't home in heaven. But right now, he's overall grateful. We're surprised by his smile, even while he's in the hospital. Lord, thankful for the way you worked in helping us find him and uh, getting him to the hospital. Uh, pray that you'll just help Kathy as she goes through this with him and give him both strength and peace during this time. Lord, we're grateful for the way you work in our lives. We have many here who have gone through hard things and are still struggling with them. We pray that you'll just work in those. Uh, Lord, you know all their names and many of us know them. Help us to keep praying for them that we might constantly remind you that uh, it would move you to action in their lives. Lord, we look forward to the way you work. We're excited about the things you do. We praise you in all these things and for this start of our missions conference, we pray that you'll work as we listen to the messages Help our hearts to be tender to what you will do with your word and through your spirit in our lives. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Just a couple of scripture references that kind of went along with our, our missions conference. So we'll, I'll read those. Matthew, they'll come up on the screen if, or you can look them up yourself. Matthew 5. Going to do verse 14 through 16. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Want our light shine out there so people can see it. The other place was at the end of Matthew, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples, and we could throw ourselves in with these 11 disciples, then all of his disciples, uh, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So a reminder there in both passages, we're the light of the world. We who know him are the ones who take that light to the world for them to know and even to our communities and so on. So the question ends up being, what's your mission? And that's where we're headed during this time as you catch up on all these missionaries. Stand and sing our courses. Well, no, 642. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. True hearted, whole hearted, faithful and loyal. King of our lives, by thy grace we will be. Under the standard exalted and royal, strong in thy strength we will battle for thee. Hill of the watchword, silence is never, song of our spirits rejoicing in I have everything out of order in case you haven't noticed yet. I like to mix things up, so I did it without even knowing it this morning. We're going to sing Go Light Your World. Sometimes we have to wait for the computer to catch up, so...
Spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle, and makes his home. So carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the hopeless, confused and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle and go light your world. Take your candle and go light your world. Frustrated brother, see how he's tried to light his own candle some other way. See how your sister, she's been robbed and lied to. She holds a candle without a flame. So carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the hopeless, the turning war. Hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle.
into the world, light into my life. I will live for you alone. You're the one I seek, knowing I will find. All I need is you alone. In you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll go. start this missions conference we pray that you'll truly work in our hearts through the preaching of the word singing of songs learning of our missionaries uh, gaining more information about what's going on in their lives help us to be receptive to all that you'll do during this time in our hearts making us missions more precious to us helping us to see our mission filled right here help us lord to be willing to serve you in whatever way you would call on us We'll praise you and thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Those ages 4 to 7 can use the clipboards in the front, ages 4 to 7. Now we're going to start a video from Brian King. He's the preacher. He's going to preach on the screen and video, so they're going to turn the lights down around the video so you can see him better and he'll preach to you brian king is the north the representative of the northeast fellowship um, which used to be empire state fellowship it's bigger now we added a few more states to it so now it's the northeast fellowship and uh, so listen to him as he preaches as he starts off our missions conference Happy Labor Day weekend to all of you at First Baptist of Ripley. Glad to join you for the first Sunday of September, Missions Month at your church. We love your theme called What's Your Mission? And we're glad to be a part of this first Sunday and hope that you'll enjoy all the Sundays and special events of this month. 
Thank you for your part in our Northeast Fellowship, and we're coming your way. I want to tell you about some events that'll be a little closer to you than usual, where you can join us soon. The first is this weekend. On Saturday, we have our Single Adults Serving Christ Together event, a new ministry that just began last year and is coming very close to you right on the shores of Lake Erie as First Baptist of Dunkirk will host. Each of these events combines a service project, in this case, helping the church at Dunkirk and its community get to know each other better in preparation for their upcoming Back to Church Sunday, and then a fellowship meal, which, weather permitting, will be right on the shores of the Great Lake. You can get more info and register at that line you see at the top, singleservinginduncurve.easyregister.com. Then, later this month, Renew, our women's conference, comes to you. For many years, this has been in a centralized location towards the middle of the state, but this year we're doing something new that's very special and coming closer to all parts of the state by doing it in three distinct locations. And yours comes first. We hit Western New York on Saturday, September 23rd at Grace Baptist of Batavia on our theme, Read, Write, Renew. Our speakers are mainly authors or writers who will encourage you in reading scripture and other great books and even in writing in different ways that you may not have even thought of that you can forward the cause of Christ. Join us for this one a lot closer to home than usual. We do two marriage retreats a year. The sooner one is the week between Christmas and New Year's Day, December 27th and 28th at the beautiful Harbor Hotel in Watkins Glen with Pastor Conroy Lewis of Grace Baptist Syracuse as our main speaker. The second one, it's a little further on the calendar, but it's a lot closer to you. Bethany Camp, Father's Day weekend, that Friday and Saturday next year will be coming your way. And then for men, our Rise Up theme for Men's Adventure 2024. It's the weekend February 16th and 17th, that Friday and Saturday at Binghamton Central Baptist. Now, on this great theme, what's your mission? And what a good theme it is. Thinking about the whole wide world out there and your part in it. As we think about it, let's start here. What's the bullseye for you? Your goal, your hope, the thing that makes it all worthwhile for you, the worthy cause. You know, there's so many things in the world out there, and we think in terms of we've got big dreams, a long list of things we'd like to do, but limited resources. We run out of time, money, and energy all too soon. So, what's worthwhile? To you, what's the thing that it's not about money? You would do it for free. It's not about publicity. You would do it in private. It's not about fame. 
for you? Well, we get a straight answer from Christ himself in Luke 12, 32 through 40. I invite you to join me there in Scripture at Luke 12, 32 through 40. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible, where the words of Christ are all in red, you'll notice that all these words are in red. And when Christ speaks, we could look at it this way. It's A, B, C. A is for amazing. The words of Christ are awe-inspiring and amazing. It's a word that gets overused these days, but it fits the words of Christ. He truly is amazing when he speaks. He causes us to think about things we may not have thought of before or to look at them in a way we hadn't considered before. So A is for amazing. B is for bold. He tells it like it is. And no matter how much people want to water down the words he says, you know what he means. When he says things like in chapter 9 of this book, like, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Or like in chapter 14, when he says, if any man will come after me and doesn't give up what he has, doesn't hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. These are bold words. And C is for clear. I like how the Gospels word it when they say the common people heard him gladly. They understood what he meant when he took the concepts of God and the big things of life and spoke them in an understandable way. And so we see these amazing, bold, clear words in Luke 12. And we begin with verse 32. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Christ has a cause. It leaps off the page here in verse 32. It says, Your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. There's a kingdom of God, a cause of Christ, a great worthwhile cause. It's our theme this month and in this verse. Christ has a cause. And it's a different cause. Many things clamor for our attention. It seems like there's always something beeping or buzzing around you trying to get your attention. There's always a new fad or trend coming down the pike and it's the most important thing in the last 15 minutes and you're supposed to reorient your whole life around it and care about this more than anything else. There's a lot of that in the world today. This isn't like that. It's in its own category. It's different. And it's a better cause. It's better because it lasts. It has ongoing value outlasting everything else. Earlier this year, I had the pleasure of serving some ministries and missionaries in the great nation of Peru. And one of our missionary couples down there has the pleasant habit of every time they found a church, they give that church the title, Living Hope Baptist Church, lifted from the page of 1 Peter 1. 
that says Christ has begotten us again in a living hope. And it talks about how that hope is undefiled, it doesn't lose value, and it doesn't fade away. A great truth. What the Lord does lasts. Years ago, I had some old carpet in my home that had been stained and needed to be torn out. And so we went to a flooring store and we got the ear of a salesman with a lot of experience. And he said, you know, you should consider all your options because in addition to the popular wall-to-wall carpeting, you could also do an area rug or you should really see what's new in technology and some of these other kinds of vinyl flooring and other options. And so as he toured me through these, I kept asking the same question. How long will this last? And he replied, this one's good for about seven years. This option might last about 10 years. And after a while, I think he saw the look of disappointment in my eye because he stopped me mid-sentence and he said, look, I don't know what you do for a living, but I'm sure you don't expect it to last forever. <laughs> and I said, as a matter of fact, I do. You opened the door. And it gave me an opportunity to talk to him about how when we serve Christ, we're part of something that really does last forever. We're investing in a worthwhile, ongoing cause. It's a better cause. And it's a promised cause. As verse 32 says, your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. That is the very nature of God. To say it and then to do it. To promise it and then to provide it. It even factors into his name. Do you remember that name of God? The one that he didn't reveal to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but then did reveal to Moses, who would author the first five books of the Bible. It's the name, I am who I am. Or sometimes we pronounce it Jehovah or Yahweh. And part of the meaning of that name is this, God makes a promise, then keeps the promise. It's in his very nature to do that. The major prophets of the Bible, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, pick up on this theme particularly the back half of the book of Isaiah, where the Lord says things like, Behold, I tell you before it happens, so you know when it happens, that I did it. Does any other God do this? I know not one. It's part of God's nature to tell us what he's going to do. And he does this with his cause. He has a cause. He has us as a part of it. And he promises to come through in all these ways. We count on him for that. This is why it's so aggravating sometimes when people say, you know, I'm not an atheist. I'm not saying there's no God. I'm more of an agnostic. I just don't know if there's enough evidence. I don't know if there's enough to make me believe. And we realize this is the very nature of God, that there's literally all the evidence in the world. The whole creation around us bears witness to the fact that Life didn't begin when we got here. God got it started and keeps it going. And right down to the conscience within us, imperfect or seared as though it may be, still God works through it so that we know 
a degree of right versus wrong. But we understand the concept of eternity, even of heaven and hell. It resonates with something inside of us. We have to actually fight against it to a degree to uh, object to it. And so God proves himself and promises this. Also, it's a worldwide cause. Psalm 66 in its first verse and then further in its fourth verse mentions all the earth. All the earth should praise the Lord and rejoice in him. And the cause of Christ transcends. It reaches everyone in every place at every time. These themes about God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, about man, about sin and salvation, about the present and the past, and certainly about the end times and eternity. These play everywhere in the world. There's so many themes that only matter to people that speak one language or live in one part of the country or have certain facts in common. But the cause of Christ is truly worldwide. We can go anywhere and talk to anyone at any time about it. The cause of Christ is the glory of God as expressed and evidenced in the salvation of souls. We all love that. Most obvious, most visible fruit of it. And also in the growth of believers. Not as obvious, but just as important. It's what's on the heart of every pastor. To see people in the church come closer to Christ. To take your next step of faith. To step up in boldness and do more than before. To be fully formed and developed in Christ. This is his cause. The salvation of souls and the growth of believers. All within local churches that are founded on Christ and sold out to him. And so Christ has a cause and you have a part. The rest of these verses describe that. They give three main commands. Sometimes the commands come in sets of commands, but three themes. The first one we've already seen. It's in that first verse, number 32. Do not be afraid. Scripture's most foundational and most frequent command. Fear not, do not fear, do not be afraid, worded in many ways, but always on that theme. Don't fear. Divest yourself of fear. Get rid of it. Like cutting a bad investment, or like getting rid of a hot potato, or having mouthwash that's been in your mouth for too long and spit it out. It isn't serving you well. It isn't serving the cause of Christ. Divest yourself of fear. Instead, be bold. As a fellowship, we have many churches, and as I travel and visit them, we have some that are happy and healthy and firing on all cylinders. And then we have others that are struggling and in need of different levels of help. And you can't help but notice what are the common characteristics where things are going well 
And then what are the common characteristics where they're going poorly? Well, it's hard to narrow that down to a formula when God does his greater works in the present or when we study revival in the past. We realize there's no formula. We can't simply follow a set of steps and guarantee a specific result. But we can notice certain traits. And one thing that seems to be in common among churches that are happy and healthy is this. They're bold. They don't fear. A couple weeks back, we were at a missionary presentation of some missionaries that our church had commissioned a few years back, and they'd come home from the field to report. And in the question-answer session, one person raised a hand and talked about all the difficulties of their particular country, politically, economically, even the climate. They live in the midst of five active volcanoes. And before the person could finish the question, the missionary responded and said, hey, look, we don't live in fear. Yes, all those things are true. They're all happening, but we don't live in fear. If we let the fear overtake us, we would never accomplish anything. What a great example. We don't live in fear. We have our Fresh Start Revitalization Program. And the most recent church to take advantage of that had a similar experience. They had a number of challenges they were facing, and I was able to go on site and make a long list of recommendations. And as I checked back in with them shortly after, I wondered how many of those recommendations they had started on. And much to my pleasant surprise, their answer was, well, we're doing all of them. They had risen to the occasion, overcome hesitance and fear in a number of key areas, and were going full speed ahead in boldness. And that church that feared it was on the verge of closing, turned around completely, began growing, had children in their church when they hadn't for a long time before. And all of this happened in a period of about three months, a very short span of time. So we divest ourselves of fear. Second, once we get rid of that, we invest. And that is we invest all we've got in the cause of Christ. Here's some more of those amazing, bold, and clear words of Christ. In verses 33 and 34, he says, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These verses say, put your money where your heart is. In fact, they make the point that you already do that. It's mostly a matter of making sure our hearts are in the right, yes, even best place. And then all of our resources will follow. A key need we have in the cause of Christ right now is leaders. I've never known a time when we didn't need more leaders. And I've never known a time when we've needed leaders more than we do now. Mission fields are wide open, and especially our churches need more leaders. Pastors, deacons, 
men in training, ladies serving in key roles, children and teens having helping hands in the cause, and particularly pastors. Our fellowship currently has more than 30 churches like yours that are currently between pastors. And sometimes the wait can be pretty long. Lots of churches without pastors and a scarcity of candidates. And so we're working on that from a number of angles. I mentioned earlier our men's adventure event. And the last two years of that event, we put out a call and given a chance to publicly respond for men who want to be leaders in the cause of Christ to go into full-time ministry. Last year when we did it, three men responded. This year, an additional seven. So we're working with 10 men there. Another of our annual events is our teen recharge weekend. And last year, at the site closest to you, Marilla, in the western part of New York, we had a teen respond that way. Uh, not from a specific challenge, but just writing on his response card that he sensed the Lord was leading him to be a pastor. So some reinforcements are on their way, but it takes time and training to get there, and we're working in that way. Here's a key way that you can help. Three parts. Number one, and so often this is number one when we have a spiritual need, pray. And pray like the Lord Jesus himself instructs in Matthew 9, 36 through 38. Hey, are you a pictorial reader? Like when you're reading the Bible, you see the action? This is a great passage for that. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Can you picture it? Thousands before him. He sees the scattered multitudes and has a heart for them because they are so many. Thousands before him. And 12 behind him is apostles, some other followers. But what a disparity. Thousands before him, 12 behind him. And the circle has come back around in our time that the needs in front of us are so large and the group behind us is so small. So Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. We start there. Pray and pray that specific request. You know, the Bible only says pray for and then give us a specific request about seven or eight times. This is one that's on that short list. So number two is seek. We pray first, then we seek. Put feet to your faith. Test the waters, take the next step, see where the Lord might lead and recognize that he might use you as part of the answer to your own prayer. Perhaps you will be one of our leaders in the near future. 
And then third, once we pray and we seek, here's another angle that's very important, perhaps more important than you realize. Encourage others. I work with a lot of pastors or men who are about to be pastors. And one of the things we talk a lot about is the call. Are you called to ministry? How do you know God has called you in this way? You might be surprised to know that their answer often goes something like this. Well, I sense that the Lord might be leading me and through different experiences and some giftedness and different opportunities, I'm leaning towards it. But then someone in my church, might be like a godly older person, comes and approaches them and says, have you ever thought about going into ministry? Or I see this in you, or I recognize that in you and wonder if the Lord might lead you into ministry. And they'll tell me that's what clinched it for them. They were already leaning, but that sealed the deal and made a big difference to them. You can do that when you recognize that possibly God is calling someone or simply recognizing the gifts that they have. Tell them, I see this in you. This is a big part of our ministry as Northeast Fellowship is to assist pastorless churches in their ongoing ministry now and in their pastoral search as they uh, land their next pastor. I'll give you an example of this though. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. We work really hard to knock one down only to have another one come up very quickly. Recently, we had the joy of an installation service for a new pastor in a church that had gone more than two years without. And it had been a lot of work helping this church, being there on site frequently, and getting close to a candidate, and then having it fall through, and things like this, a lot of time gone by. And then a while back, we got a call one Wednesday night that they had had their meeting, and the church had voted unanimously for a great candidate to come and be their next pastor. I slept really well that night. I woke up the next morning and not long after, I got a call from another of our pastors saying, hey, I'm retiring in a month. <laughs> so two years to knock one down and then one phone call to bring it right back up. So that's the lay of the land on pastoral search these days. Lots of work. Additionally, a big part of our Northeast Fellowship is being pastor to our pastors. A key need. You might not think of it. There's not a lot of reason that you should. But when you have a need or a question, you can go to your pastor. When your pastor has a need or a question, where does he go? And so this is a big role, being pastor to our pastors, helping them behind the scenes, maybe working in little problems to prevent bigger problems sharing counsel, and especially providing continuing education. That long list we joke about, what they don't teach you in Bible college and seminary, it's getting longer and longer all the time. Additionally, we have our real-time fellowship, a curriculum that we've developed with video and other helps where regions of pastors can meet together on key topics 
and in an iron sharpening iron kind of way, uh, keep them current and uh, help them in important ways there. So our leaders. Another way to invest in the cause of Christ is to be a supporter. We think of moral support. Sometimes we laugh at that idea. I'm just a moral supporter. I'm, I'm behind you. I might be way behind you, right? But it is an important thing. I don't make light of it at all. To have a heart for the cause. You know, years ago in my first church, way downstate, just north of New York City, we had a man whose firstborn was going off to college. And I think he privately hoped that this son would go not too far away. So he was thrilled when his son said, I'm gonna choose a SUNY school, take advantage of a scholarship, and his dad thought, maybe he'll be close to home. And then one day his son came home and said, I've made my decision, I'm going to Dunkirk, out by you, on the shores of Lake Erie, where we're having the Single Adults Serving Christ Together event this weekend, about seven hours away. <laughs> and so the father kind of concealed his disappointment around his son, but he shared with me one of the key ways that he handled it. He said, you know, on my computer screen, on the bottom right, I keep an icon for the weather in Dunkirk. He said, that way, if I don't hear from my son on that day, at least I know what it's like out there. I know what the weather is. I know what's going on in the background of his life, even if I don't know the foreground. And that helped him adjust to that. And we can do that with the cause of Christ. Have a heart and take the temperature of the cause of Christ. You'll hear from many missionaries this month, and perhaps you'll find out where the cause of Christ is hot, where it's going strong, and you want to feed the hot hand. That's good. It's also good to know where the cause of Christ is cold, where people are working hard, they're good, they're faithful, but they're not seeing the results right now. And they need encouragement as well. Have moral support for the cause of Christ. And an obvious one, money support. We always have needs in the cause of Christ. We drip with financial needs in our Northeast Fellowship. Our current project is called Top to Bottom. I'm coming to you right now from our Northeast Fellowship Ministry Center, a property that was donated to us 10 years ago. And now it's showing its age and it is the worst for wear. And so our top to bottom project means top, we need to fix our leaking roof, the top of the property, and bottom, we need an update for our parking lot, the bottom of our property. You'll hear no doubt many needs this month and individually, you or as a church, all of you can support some or many or all of these with financial support. So your part is to divest of fear, as we saw in verse 32, and to invest in the cause, verses 33 and 34. The last section says to stay dressed. Those are the very words in verses 35 through 40. Here, Jesus says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. 
I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. We'll have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the second or the third watch of the night. But understand that if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the son of man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Stay dressed. Verse 35 words it memorably. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Be aware, be alert, be active. The picture on the screen right now is a museum from that trip I mentioned in Peru. Up top is the title, Museo del Oro meaning the Museum of Gold, might make you think it's about stones and gems. It's actually more about the picture at the bottom. It's about military-grade armor through the years, hundreds of years, and a reminder to us that we need to have the whole armor of God and be ready for anything in the cause. That's how it's worded here in Luke chapter 12, about being on guard and realizing in some ways there's just one thing we have to do be ready for the master and there's just one time when that rapture will occur but we need to do things on this day to get ready for that day we have to prepare now to be in top shape then and that's what makes all the difference so know how it goes in the cause of christ be ready and aware. Possibly the most common addition to our church's ministries in recent years has been adding a safety team. And people are in our congregations who have law enforcement training have been especially helpful in this. I remember one man saying, you know what we need? We need head on a swivel people in our church. They're in the service, they're paying attention to what's going on up front but they also are alert to what might happen at any minute on the periphery. And he called them head on a swivel guys, that they could quickly turn and give their full attention to something else. We need that in the cause of Christ to keep not only the building, but also the whole cause in sight. To be on guard. Don't get caught off guard. Be on mission which varies tremendously from being on vacation. Be seeking what's next in the cause of Christ, not surprised by what might happen in the cause. Your part in your church is desperately important. Your contributions are critical. And when you're between pastors, all of that is heightened and becomes even more true. Christ compares the church to his body. It says that every member is like a part of the body. You might think that you're not the most visible member and that your contribution doesn't matter as much, but it does. Every part of the body needs to be working in order to be at peak health. 
Hey, how many of you out there this morning, since you got up until now, have thought about your pancreas? Maybe none of you. I've thought about it. My son, who has type 1 diabetes, and his pancreas doesn't work, has thought a lot about it. He has to wear an insulin pump that regulates his pancreas that doesn't work. And he himself has to monitor it and stay on top of it. And it's a lot of extra consideration every day just because that one part of his body doesn't work. Your part makes a major difference. You have an essential function. We are more with it and we are less without it. So be armed and dangerous for the cause of Christ. That's the mission. What's your part? What's your piece of this puzzle? We've given lots of examples today. You'll hear many more during this special month. And may the Lord use it in your life to really help your church go to the next level in serving Him and blessing others. Thanks for having us as a part of this, and may the Lord bless you this Labor Day weekend and give you a great Missions Month. Turn your hymn books to 610. We're going to sing the first verse of this as the deacons come and prepare for communion. Uh, so let's sing verse 1 of 610. Give of your best to the Master. <clears throat> of your youth throw yourselves as showing ardor into the battle for truth Jesus has set the example dauntless was he young and brave give him your loyal devotion Give him the best that you have. Give of the best to your master. Give of the strength of your youth. Clad in salvation's full armor, join in the battle for truth.
fellowship with one another, either in great fellowship or limited fellowship. Sometimes not in fellowship much at all because we don't get involved or don't spend time with each other. We need to do that. We need to serve together to do the best that our church can do for God in this community. When we come together for communion, it's sort of like that. We're getting together as a family to share in something that Christ has prepared for us by having gone and using His body, dying for us, shedding blood, and rising from the grave to give us life. He comes along and He shares the Lord's Supper. And He says, uh, Paul speaking, I received, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on that night, He was betrayed, took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in the same, in remembrance of me. And then He says in the same way, He did it with the cup. And in this passage in Corinthians, He comments on the fact that they're not doing this together in the way they should. They're not coming together and eating together the way they should. And they're not doing this the way they should. And he wants them to have that kind of relationship where they're all together doing this for the Lord. So this morning as we do this, we want to do this in remembrance of what Christ has done for us and share this together and worship together in this way. Lord, we're thankful for your goodness to us and as we as we take the elements out to the congregation, we pray that we'll all be thinking, Lord, of you and of our fellowship, one with another, because of what you've done for us. You've made us part of this family. Help us to serve together, to work in a way that will cause our community to know Christ. Help us to be that light that you desire us to be. Lord, as we remember, help us to be so thankful for what you've done in our lives that we would give our lives for you. Thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen.
remind them, as I've already read, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way after supper he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So all of us as we do this, proclaim the Lord's death and resurrection till he comes back. And we'll be able to enjoy each other's company and fellowship with the Lord. And it'll take on a whole new meaning for us. So as we do this, do this together. Lord, we're thankful for the blood you shed. We're thankful that it has removed our sin from us. That we are clean. We're whiter than snow. Because of the work that you did. Not because of anything we could accomplish. Thank you for giving us a relationship with you. Help us to do this in a way that we delight in doing it and we're excited about what you've done that others might know truly that you love us and have cared for our needs. In Christ's name.
This is the new cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Drink the hour. Gracious Father, we're grateful for your love, for all that you're doing in our lives. Help us as we go forth to go forth as those who would serve you and love you. Get us prepared for all that this mission's conference will bring. We're grateful for all that you do in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. You are dismissed.